Welcome to the Essential Stepmom Podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Poisner, and I'm glad you found us here. You'll find that many of the episodes in the archives here are suitable for sharing with your spouse, and there's even a separate podcast just for the guys called Undeletable Dad. So be sure to check that out. Finally, if you're looking for some supportive community, join us in the Essential Stepmom Facebook group. It's the best stepmom hangout in the metaverse. Hello again. It's been a while, and I'm glad to be back with a long and juicy episode. My guest, Dr. Jessica Higgins, is a very smart cookie. She has a PhD in psychology and a master's degree in counseling psychology. She's the host of the Empowered Relationship podcast. And we actually first met when she invited me to be a guest on her show about 100 episodes ago. Like, literally, there are 359 episodes of her podcast available. So you better start listening now or you'll never catch up. Dr. Jessica is an expert in relationships. So I picked her brain about some of the toughest situations in step-couple dynamics, like being triggered by the stepkids or the ex-wife, and when the bio mom ends up with way too much control over the day-to-day of your life together with your partner. I'll stop talking now and let you just enjoy this conversation with Dr. Jessica Higgins. Hi, Jessica. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Tracy. It's an honor to share this time with you. Um, I'm looking forward to talking with you um, because I was hoping that you could shed some additional light or expertise on an issue that comes up for me in so many of the families that I deal with. Um, A lot of uh, people in my Facebook world, but even um, the the private clients that I have, the one-to-one clients that I work with, um, as I was just saying before we, you know, before I hit record here, that there's this big elephant under the carpet in a remarriage um, and I'm going to talk now specifically about, you know, the dad repartnering with a new woman who will henceforward be the stepmom of his kids in whatever capacity. And because, you know, like if there weren't any kids involved, it would be like weird and creepy and unusual for an ex-wife to be in constant contact with this guy, telling him all kinds of stuff about how to decorate his new house or what kind of car to drive or what she thinks about his boss or, you know, like generally you break up and it's kind of done. Like there might be some financial issues to work out or whatever, but her influence in his life is finished. And because that there's a child involved or more, this ex-wife continues to be very involved, even like ridiculously involved in the day-to-day of this guy and certainly from the new wife's perspective like it's not often not tolerable and so I you know I often refer to this as being kind of harpooned um you know that that you you didn't really get divorced or you got divorced and you just bought yourself another few hundred feet of rope you know that you're just still swimming a little farther away from the same boat that you it's really hard to detach yourself emotionally from mm-hmm. somebody that you were married to when you have to continue to be in contact with them. So I would love it if you can speak to that. 
Absolutely. I'll do my best. And I hope that you can help me here, Tracy, if I'm speaking to things that you've already covered, but on an overview, I know there's lots here to say, but if we can just speak a little bit more bigger picture, one of the first things, and I know that you're such a proponent of is just the health of the children, right? So for the children, the co-parenting is necessary. And so that's the kind of framework that we're working from, right? And so with that, if we're speaking more about your client as the father and also the role of the perhaps stepmother in this case, how to negotiate relations with the ex for the husband, his ex, and then also the mom of the children. And one of the things that I just also want to name that is unfortunate, but also very common is that when humans feel threatened or feel a sense of risk to what is most precious and most important. And as we're talking about children, right? No other, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's like probably the highest on the list of threats. And so unfortunately, when we feel threatened, we tend to, as humans, get into these protective strategies. And sometimes those strategies aren't necessarily the most productive, the most efficient, the most constructive, especially when we've had back history that has been traumatic or difficult or unfortunate in many ways so that we learned adaptive strategies that were helpful in the past, but no longer are adaptive, right? So we just can name that. So that being said, one of the common experiences from the perspective of dad and maybe stepmom is uh, X is being manipulative or is finding all these ways to insert or to intrude or to be persuasive in an inappropriate way. Right. And so, or even could be toxic, right? I, I clients come to mind and just how egregious it can get right in the interaction. Absolutely. I'll pause there. Just, I have many things to say, but I just want to pause there. Anything you want to comment on or speak to? No, that's it. That, um, that's it. I'm talking about like, obviously in an ideal situation, the parents are, you know, cooperating and co-parenting and yes, there has to be connection. And maybe you don't really want to see this person often or all the time or whatever, but it's, it's part and parcel with, you know, with having children with somebody or with, you know, entering into a, a, a love or a marriage relationship with somebody that has children. It's part of the situation. What I'm talking about is where it, it goes off the rails. And often, it it is my perception of these situations, that there is a difficulty making appropriate boundaries, because the dynamic of the old relationship is still alive energetically. Mm -hmm. And that having divorced this person, She still knows exactly how to push your buttons and you still fall for it. You're still afraid to rock the boat. You're still um, uh, alert for, you know, you're still maybe looking for her approval in terms of how you're parenting the kids and possibly even getting derailed from your own style of parenting because you are trying to keep the peace by doing things in a way that she approves of. Hmm. Okay. So just to even speak to what you're naming here, this couldn't 
I mean, it could be more complex, but it's one of the more complex situations. So the marriage that was, and then broke up and was divorced from had its dynamics that were problematic and that you're seeing that that energy is still alive. Yeah. That even though we divorced and said no more, and we're not going to participate in that, there's still a quality to that relating that still exists in the right. co-parenting. First off, in regards to that, part of just the awareness of what you're describing and what potentially could get activated is critical. So I, my hope is that some of your listeners and followers hence all the things that you teach and provide people are interested in improving, perhaps even interested in growing themselves and looking at how they show up, right? So what gets activated is really important because one of the things I want to say that can be a really good rule of thumb when it, in regards to either a stepmom dealing with your spouse's ex or the dad in this case, dealing with an ex, likely there's going to be buttons pushed, like you said, maneuvering that feels perhaps manipulative or even behavior that feels highly toxic, right? Just, it can get to pretty bad places. And as much as we would want to call someone out help them see the light, help them behave in a more healthy adult manner. That is not, I would say, either the dad or the stepmom's role. And likely that's not going to go anywhere. As much as we might be able to see visibly and, oh my gosh, like if they only understood, or let me try to say this thing and let me engage in, in the dialogue so that maybe they'll recognize, and maybe I can bring health into this. And I just want to say that that likely isn't going to be responded to very well, might be a waste of effort and not to say that the intentions there aren't good, but where we get challenged here is accepting this person might behave in ways that are manipulative or toxic or do and say things that we're not okay with. Now, I would just draw a a line here and you mentioned boundaries. So I think that's really where focus should lie is like, what is the terrain that I'm responsible for? What can I take care of and how do we work together? So we're, when we're feeling certain things getting threatened in our unit, in our family, how do we take care of that? And sometimes this is the stepmom, right? Like she might have certain insecurities or certain feelings that the dad is not, or her husband isn't necessarily feeling the same thing, or dad is feeling certain things that are triggered from the past dynamic that maybe his wife, new, new wife is not fully aware of. So the vulnerability there to really, okay, let's have each other's back. Let's really look at how do we want to take care of us in a way that we're feeling more solid. And I can unpack that more. And I just want to reiterate the point of if we're noticing getting hooked into trying to help or trying to change um, mom's view or her approach or trying to teach her, coach her, any of that stuff, that that's going to be problematic. And that unfortunately, which might take some grieving is to accept this person is behaving in the ways that they're behaving. 
We can't control it. We have to accept it. It might needle us. It might push our buttons. It might threaten us. It might activate us. And how do we take care of us? So that's kind of just a bigger, broader stroke. Yeah. And even, even understanding the, the idea that it's your job to create appropriate boundaries to keep that out of your home. And that can feel really hard to do when this is the mother of your children um, to, to put up those kind of boundaries to protect the integrity of your new family situation and household or your new partner or whatever, it is really hard to see, um, to see your way to, to making those, to making those kind of boundaries because, um, the children well, have a field trip like, and they need a thing signed or like there's moving parts that it's happening live and we don't have the luxury of pausing and really it's happening live. About there it. are also, there are often, um, you know, often the hook back into that control by the, you know, like, let's be honest, the, the ex often wants to maintain a kind of control over this person, even long after they've left and met someone new and got married and whatever um, she has, um, she is invested in, um, in maintaining a relationship with that person. And it's often based around, uh, drama that comes up. Right. Well, and I also want to add, yes, I want to be mindful that we don't want to pathologize the mom too much here. Uh, and in it's saying that, that rightfully so she should be invested right in her children's lives and the environment that's you know happening like i don't know how you untie that and again as i work primarily with couples it's so classic that these destructive dynamics are alive and well and those are the things that beat people beat couples up so yes it is going to feel very problematic and it's going to feel invasive. So coming back to the boundaries and how tricky it can be to maintain that or even be aware of that. I mean, we're talking about issues of privacy, right? right. That it feels intrusive. It feels like it's um, in, invading one's home, right? And in the, in the space in which you're creating, it's also bringing into question, where's the priority, right? Is, are we communicating with each other? Are we giving each other attention first? Are we going to each other first as far as decision-making? I mean, right. this, this crosses so many different places. Well, there, there's another whole, um, there's another whole issue. I know I'm like throwing so many different things at yeah. you here, but, but I know that a lot of um, the women that I work with complain about getting abusive messages text messages or phone calls or whatever from um, the, the ex or with hearing, you know, she says this about you. She says, it's all your fault. She says the kids don't want, you know, um, and um, I often tell women to sort of gently ask their partner to maybe not share those things because it's hard and yeah. it's hard to not be able to support your husband when he's going through that particular piece of it and it's hard for him to have to kind of take all of those kicks himself and not pass that pass that along yeah thank you for sharing that and I think it does relate to the communication like how we're gonna negotiate this and I think perhaps for couples 
it might not be a one size fits all, right? And it sounds like one of the things that you're speaking to in my mind is around protection, right? Yeah. How do we take care of each other in this very difficult, complex situation? And so some people or some women in this case of the way that we're organizing this, the stepmom would want to be involved, right? Would want to have yeah. that level of transparency and it feels safer rather than like learning, oh, you've been holding all this information and I wasn't privy to it. And like, you know, it can get confusing, excuse me, it can get confusing for the dad around like, what am I sharing? What am I not sharing? Or how right. am I protecting? Or how am I, am I protecting or am I avoiding, right? Where are the clear agreements? Yeah, that's so a think, good, I like that. So I think in the beginning, some of this is going to be, we're figuring this out and it's going to be a trial and error. And we give a lot of space and room for renegotiating. I thought that I wanted to know, and maybe I don't want to know, you yeah. know what I mean? Like I've got the theme of this enough. Yeah. And <laughs> if it's in this territory, I don't need to know the play-by-play. -play. It right. feels way better and more regulating to not feel like I'm also getting hit with all those jabs and kicks. However, if it's in a different territory, I still would like to know, and I want to be able to be there with you. So I think that there could be some agreement in the beginning around the communication and how we're prioritizing that. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I like yeah. that. that it, because it, it's true that it's not a one size fits all kind of situation. You Can went we over. Also, add really yeah, quickly. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Because in the theme of protection, too, I do think there could be a scenario. Let's say there was an agreement, like your husband and your situation. He could have come to you at some point and said, I know that I don't want to involve you in these narratives. And less about the story and the narrative. I want to come to you because I realize this is just really heavy to carry. And I just want to share how much this sucks and just remind me that I'm doing a good job and I'm a good dad. And like, can yeah. you yeah, be yeah. there for me? Like there might be occasions where even if there is an agreement that I'm protecting you from this, that I might still come to you. It's not like a no go zone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it can't like often the, the conflict in this situation and like how to raise the children Mm -hmm. in the atmosphere in this atmosphere of of conflict like where it's working well we're not we're not even talking about that I like right. the, those people aren't listening to my podcast right no but um um but the this is the often the biggest um time suck the biggest conflict the biggest um issue in the guy's life and um it can take up a lot of space in the relationship that dealing with that. So I, I think you would probably agree that it's important to find ways to, you know, again, have boundaries around when we're going to talk about this and, and when we're not, you know, and like I've proposed to people and you can tell me what you think about this, but I've proposed that, that couples need to have like a kind of date night situation where they're absolutely getting away from the kids or from their just the hustle to get back to supporting each other but that it could be really nice to have that experience without talking about all the problems right like oh that maybe goodness. they need another time 
Like there needs to be a second time where they agree to meet during the week to, to talk about this project, this family that they're building together. You know, this mm -hmm. family project is you can't have, a, you know, your most important life project with no project management time. It doesn't just build itself. Right. So I think it's, it's good to be mindful of having both kinds of time together where you just we're not going to rag about the kids and ex-wife tonight. We're just going to talk about nourishing stuff. And another session where you talk about how are we going to deal with this problem X, Y, or Z. I couldn't agree more. And I think they actually support each other because if the bond of the, the love and the connection is not being attended to, then it can feel a little bit more insecure. And so therefore some of those decision making or even the conversations around the family project of how to deal with mom could be less productive because there's some underlying unmet needs, right? Yeah, so I'm not feeling so secure. So I'm not feeling as generous, or I don't really want to talk about mom because I'm feeling like my needs aren't taken care of. So I think first and foremost, if the couple bond is nurtured and there's an attention to that, and I know that you've said sometimes it looks different, right? When there's a blended family and there's children and sometimes stepmom isn't getting the first attention, right? But that there is space that is, that there is consistency and reliability around. So there's this trust that I know that we have each other's back and for the dad, right? Like that there's a felt sense of like, we are for each other and we yeah. know how to reach to each other. We know how to be there. And we, and if we're not feeling, if we're feeling wobbly with that, or it's feeling a little shaky, we can build in some extra time together, but that is held, that is attended to. Yeah, I think, I think it's, um, I think it comes as a shock to people who get married or move in together, you know, for a second time where kids are involved that you, you complete, it's easy to forget that in a first marriage, you had all this time together before there were kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, even assuming that you like, met on the same day that you got pregnant or whatever you still had nine months together yeah before kids came along and that when when you're in this kind of second marriage situation it's like bam you're right you're right there and in the ideal ideal situation is that you you know date for a number of years before you move in together or whatever but in this world like it's actually not always practical to do that like the financial benefits of sharing a household are so like obvious and important that people often don't take the amount of time that they would need and then they don't understand why they have to work so hard on their relationship that's what I'm getting at mm -hmm. like they like well date night you're going to tell me we're supposed to go on date nights and it feels artificial or you know like oh like I have to put my spouse in my calendar to make time to see them but you do have to because it's a different kind of it's it's starting off on a different foot and it needs a different nurturing yes and i i don't know any relationship that doesn't need that too and to your point that the foundation 
is being built while it's almost like you're, you're building the plane while you're flying, right? Like yeah. that there's oh, that's the a really good analogy. <laughs> right. And, and similarly, Tracy, to your point about having time for workshopping or how do we strategize this family project? I mean, in the most optimal situations, both the dad and the stepmom are really clear and they can advocate for what they're seeing and, and talk that through. But in practice, I would say more often than not, one or both people are going to feel a certain emotional rattle. And that if we don't pause to look at what are some of the underlying fears what are some of the emotions here, then that can likely just be setting up for more reactivity that will probably be a little bit, um, can fuel spinning the wheels, if you will, or engaging in things you don't want to engage or not upholding boundaries. It's almost like the emotion is the driver a little bit rather than the couple being in, in their driver's seat together, right? Like, I don't know how you drive a car together, but yeah. do you know what I mean? Like yeah. the couple is in the driver's seat. And so that might look like, yeah, I'm feeling like I miss you. And I'm feeling a little protective of our time around the holidays. You've been working really hard and I've been busy and we've been traveling. We haven't had time together. And now you know, we're talking all, you know, we're spending all this time, but I, I miss you. And I want to feel like we have time or you're making decisions with mom. And I don't feel like I'm a part of this. Like I, I want to have some choice and I want to be able to plan with you. And I feel a little threatened here around like my, my interests and my priorities are also considered right around decision-making or, you know, so there can be an emotional rattle or dad is like, I'm feeling so torn and feeling this people pleasing tendency. And I don't know, or I'm feeling overwhelmed or I feel like it's not good enough. It's never good enough. Um, so whatever the emotional undertones are, if there can be a space now, that's not easy to do. This is where coaching and therapy can be really helpful to access some of these deeper layers and slow down to get at those deeper core feelings and fears. But if there's space to give attention to that, that's where we can be. It feels like a long game where what I want to say is that if we can have more direct contact with some of those deeper fears or insecurities or feelings, it actually gives us a more efficient path to the result that we want to create rather than getting in the reactive spin spinning. We're putting a lot of effort in, but is it actually resulting in the thing that we want? Because likely if we've been around the block enough, we know, oh, those old strategies, if I'm reacting, don't really get me anywhere. Do you have any tips or techniques that you offer to couples to, um, I don't know, get them going in having these kind of conversations or mm -hmm. ways of getting at the deeper feelings instead of the reactivity. Cause I think all, like the reactivity is there because you don't want to expose your vulnerability or your fears or whatever. So how do you suggest that people go about getting past that? Yes. Well, and this is to your point about the foundation being built as 
the family is operating <clears throat> and not having the luxury of having that time to establish those roots, that this might feel that much riskier. And this is where what we were talking about nurturing the couple bond can be really helpful because we can start to feel more connection and security. So those risks, those emotional risks to be vulnerable feel safer. Mm-hmm. That being said, if we're in the newer phases, it's going to be potentially terrifying. And so what I would recommend, and depending on where somebody's individual journey is, they might have a little bit more resources. Typically, if we have awareness and there's lots of tools out there around recognizing what is my trigger blueprint, if you will, what are my reactive tendencies? What do I know about myself when I get a little stirred? A tool around what I'm describing that can be helpful very simply, and this comes out of somatic psychology, is a traffic light analogy, which is... You have the red, amber, and green. And so green is representing that I'm breathing easy. My muscles are relaxed. I feel at ease. And there's really no threat. We're, we have each other's back. I know that. And we got this. We're going to work together. It might be hard, but we're, yeah. we, we know we've got a path here, even if it's not visible. And amber is usually like, ooh, like, oh, like it's just that kind of caution of like, there's something here. I don't know what it is, but I don't feel comfortable and I feel a little bit more tight. And then the red is that, you know, and I think people who have been kind of accessing some of the personal growth content have heard about the fight, flight, or freeze. And so the red is indicative of those real tendencies. And so those are a little bit more obvious. But to come back to your question, that if we're approaching a conversation, it could even be a good just check-in. Like, where are we on this traffic light? Or can we just do a check-in and what sensations? Like, I really think it's helpful to utilize body sensations because that is a little bit more direct. The body doesn't necessarily justify, rationalize, minimize. Like the, the narrative is not as extensive, right? It's just like, really much more direct. Or again, as I referenced a moment ago, a check-in would be like, oh, I can feel myself feeling anxious or I might feel myself shutting down and feeling overwhelmed. And like, there's no really good option. Like if we can just have awareness and start to acknowledge that, that can give us a little more space to just, it's okay. We work with what is, and we slow down as much as we need to slow down. And if it means a little bit more of a pivot towards well, what is, let's, do we want to explore that? What's underneath that anxiety or what's happening there with that overwhelm? And we can do that in relationship or we can do that individually. Maybe it means we start having a conversation. We're like, bummer. I really thought I had the capacity to do this. And I noticed that I'm like tight and I'm anxious and I don't know that I'm able to move forward. I think I need to go for a walk or do some journaling And then I can, let's schedule like tomorrow night. And I feel like I'll have a little bit better sense. And then to just finally kind of offer up here that if we can start to slow down to access some of those body sensations, start to have a little more welcoming, a little bit more compassion, that these are really normal human needs 
And if we can hold that safety and that welcoming, not get into the blame or criticizing or being at each other, but being in a space of real safety like and the vulnerability, right? Like, again, that could be terrifying, but if we can have a space in the couplehood around, oh, I am afraid she still has an influence of you and there's still part of you that loves her and I'm going to lose you, or I'm afraid that I'm not good enough and you compare me to her or, and, um, if that can be a little bit more visible, then that gets attention before moving forward with any of the, what do we do and how do we strategize? And it also gives us the like material around, oh, I didn't know that I needed more protection or I didn't know that I wanted us to have more priority or I didn't know that we needed more privacy and we need to protect our personal space a little bit more. Like it gives insight to what are the real drivers? Why am I so, why is there so much juice here emotionally? Yeah. Cool. I heard um, somebody I know um, said that uh, he and his partner had taken the the practice or the habit of assigning a like a one out of 10 rating to how yes. they're feeling or how yes. you feel about this situation. And yes, like, are you, you know, like zero, I'm totally okay with it. 10, I'm kind of really edgy or whatever. And they just would each have to like suddenly sort of flash at each other a number or write it on a piece of paper and say like, yes. okay, open the paper, you know, well, you're a four and I'm an eight and then say, oh, wow. Like I had no idea you were still so upset about this or that like to, so then how can I help you? to feel better, right? Like yes. you want to be like some things, it could be that you're both at a nine and that's okay. We're on the same page. Like this is super important for both of us and it's a high priority or we're both at a two. And so fantastic. Like we've both let that go or we're okay with it. But when you discover that one partner has a lot of fear or anxiety or investment in something and the other one does not, that it gives you a place to start working and say, okay, like we need to, you know, get together on the same page. Yes. Which I, I think that was really, uh, he said it's very uncomfortable and he hates doing it, but that there's always something good that comes out of it, you know, like. And I love that for a couple of reasons. One of which is it can be a little bit, while it's difficult to confront because it asks us to look internally and it does maybe invite some more visibility, which can be very vulnerable. I like that it's not a yes or no question, right? That it's like, I'm good or I'm not good, right? It gives a little bit more range and it can help us mm -hmm. um, speak to our maybe complex situation, you know, feeling yeah. more, more, more accurately. And the other thing that I like about it, when a couple can do it together, it can also be a little bit more telling around who might be a little bit more activated or triggered and right. who might have a little bit more ground or capacity. And thus it could be not a rule of thumb, but it could be, oh, I actually feel pretty decent right now. I think I might be able to hold space for you. Right. If you're feeling a lot of strong feelings about that. So then it becomes, because sometimes couples or partners will feel a little confused around, well, who goes first? Like we both have a viewpoint here or we both have a vote and who's going to express that first? Well, the person that has the more juice around it, I would suggest that that could be a good place to start right. because if they can get more regulation, because when people feel heard and seen, they tend to feel a little bit more calm and soothed. Yeah. Like it's a way of co-regulating exactly. even. 
And so that can be a good directive. And the other thing that I really like too is the just to add in to the on a scale from one to 10 is once the person that's in the upper range there, one great question is, and help me understand how this is important to you or the, why does this matter? Not why it matters, but like, tell me how this matters and why this is, or how come this is significant? I I steer away from the why, because the why answering why can put us into the intellectual defending the, the position. But if we can get into what's the, what's the meaning and the significance here for you, that starts to enter into those deeper layers where somebody um, can access some of the things that they might not even recognize or be conscious of. Yeah. Cool. And when you just said like having, having some extra bandwidth to help hold space for the other person, you reminded me of another sort of um, numerical trick I had. Maybe I'm just so data oriented. I don't know, but uh, this is something that I heard on a, you know, Brene Brown podcast or a book or something, but, but she and her husband used to have a thing where they would check in with each other because they're both extremely busy and working and some kind of like big event or, uh, you know, the weekend is coming, the kids are coming, you know, to check in and say like, I'm, I'm functioning at about 70%. And -hmm. the other one could say I'm at about 50%. She said, as long as we have a hundred percent between us, we can mm-hmm. cover it. But mm-hmm. if we're both like I'm at 40 and I'm at 30 or something, she said, that's a sign where we know that we have to bust out our resources. Yes. So that's where we're talking about. Then we have to hire a babysitter. Then we have to get some, we're going to eat takeout this weekend, or we're going to like, that's where you're going to um, use up a couple of sick days from your job or something like they that you would have um, some resources that you have put in place for sort of your plan B when we're not between us, if we're not at 100%, then this is one of the times we call in a favor from, from your mother to look after the kids or, you know, you know what all your resources are. And now we have to use them because between us, we don't have 100% to cover the next to cover this this drama or this weekend or whatever it might be. And that, that just makes so much sense to me to, the, to yes. not, you know? Yes. And the thing that I love about what we're talking about here is that there's this broader context, perhaps that we don't need to be superhuman, right? Some right. of these things are so difficult and this quantifying gives us a little bit more acceptance and maybe again, compassion around we can get resources or it's okay that we're not fully at a, a not, or I, you know, it depends on the spectrum here. It's changing. Yeah. Like yeah, how, yeah. how, how triggered are you or how resourced are you? Yeah. I mean, I do think that these skills can be helpful to try to quantify, but <clears throat> to be able to look at how we don't need to expect ourselves to be everything at all times and that we really are human and we do need to feel this close connection. We do need to have some time and space to look at what's happening here. How come we're feeling so upset or frustrated or angry or, and then to have some support around how to turn towards that a little bit more so that we can be, again, it's in the interest of the long game, because if we just react, we're going to likely spin into something that is unproductive. And so again, while it's really difficult to sometimes approach that if we can 
tolerate some of that discomfort to look at, oh, I feel inadequate or I feel emasculated or I feel um, just so overwhelmed, whatever it is, that that is important for us to get our footing and to feel some support around and our needs being met so that we can be moving forward, right? It's really hard to move forward in a productive way when we're not getting our needs met. Like the, as much as we want to override that, we can't override. <laughs> That's our what it all system. comes down to in the yeah. end, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, this was a wonderful conversation. Thanks again for doing this. And before we leave, tell people how they can find you. Yes. Well, as we've been talking, I wanted to reference a couple of podcast interviews. Sure. You have been on the show, Tracy. And I, I loved your yes, I loved your podcast interview. And so empowered relationship podcast can be a great resource to hear other voices, other experts in the field. And my website also is drjessicahiggins.com. That's doctor with a DR. Tons of resources and ways to get more support. And you can find all the ways to reach me there as well. Awesome. That's so great. Well, thanks once again. I really appreciate you doing this. Yes, it's a pleasure. Well, that was epic. We covered a lot of ground there. Do check out Dr. Jessica's podcast. And if you want to hear our conversation on that show about step families, it's actually episode 256, again, of the Empowered Relationship Podcast. And you can learn more about her work and, of course, reach out to her for personal support from her website, which is Dr. like Dr. Jessicahiggins.com. And I'll put that address in the show notes for you. That's all for this episode. Thanks for listening. And if you have a partner who's struggling with issues like parental alienation or who's just having trouble finding his way as a parent in the post-divorce world, don't forget to check out the Undeletable Dad podcast. I also have a collection of video courses just for the dads available from my website at undeletabledad.com. And of course, I always love hearing from you. So reach out to me anytime at info at Thanks for listening.